Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. Yesterday marked one year since Joe Biden was inaugurated as President of the United States. And I had someone ask me the other day, has it only been one year? <laughs> and I had to say yes, and there's possibly three more. So so how has he done as president? Well, in an opinion piece by Joe Concha, uh, who writes for The Hill, he said that President Biden leaves to 2021 with 43% approval from American voters per a Real Clear Politics uh, average of major polls with 53% disapproving. The numbers are upside down from the inauguration day of 2021, when the president in the same RCP average stood at 57 approval and just 37% disapproval. Add it all up, and Biden has shifted negatively by more than 30 points. No president since World War II, not even Donald Trump, has seen such a massive slide. So how did the 46th president, who received more votes than any candidate in the U.S. history, right, get here? Well, let's break down his performance issue by issue. Number one, the economy. When Biden entered office, the economy was already roaring back from an unprecedented pandemic and, and shutdown of the U.S. economy. And unemployment was back down to 6.3%, a sharp drop from the 14.4% in April of 2020, when businesses were forced to close across the country, of course. Well, unemployment has continued to fall back to 2019 levels, while the stock market is at all-time highs. But despite that good news for Biden, inflation dominated economic headlines throughout 2021 and continues, of course, this year. The administration continually insists over the summer that inflation was transitory, as they put it, and may actually be a good thing for the U.S. economy. White House Chief of Staff and prolific tweeter Ron Klain even attempted to portray inflation and the supply chain crisis as a rich man's problem. This was, of course, a patently tone-deaf and inaccurate argument to make considering inflation affects poor people the most because they have a harder time than the rich absorbing skyrocketing prices on food or gas or, or home heating. And as 2021 becomes 2022 now, it's clear inflation is not transitory. While the supply chain crisis may extend well into this year, according to the Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, overall inflation, which is at a 40-year high, is a major issue that likely will be around well past the 2022 midterms in November, according to a three-quarters of, of the economists in a recent survey by the National Association of Business and Economics. Year-end con, uh, customers uh, and consumer prices also rose at their fastest rate since 1982. No spin 
can change what voters feel online at the store or at the pump or when they pay their bills. And so the 2021 grade on economics and inflation is a D, according to him. And I would, in, in, in my estimation, I would even give that an F. There's just not a lot there that you can hang your hat on. So let's go to crime. 16 cities reported record high homicide rates in 2021. That's the one thing those cities have in, in, in common. There's, there's one thing that all of those cities have in common, and that is that they're all run by Democratic mayors. <laughs> As for the Biden administration's performance on the issue, there's not much performance or even rhetoric to, to point to. President Biden and Vice President Harris, of course, who was a former California attorney general, almost never speaks about the crisis. And if they're, you know, hoping it'll just simply go away, that's just not going to happen. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki even blamed Republicans for wanting to defund the police. <laughs> Can you imagine? Talk about deflection. This actually earned her four Pinocchios by the Washington Post fact checker. As president, Biden has made stopping and controlling the pandemic and the, and the multi-trillion dollar build back better spending bills the primary focus of the few speeches that he's given. He rarely, if ever, mentions what he plans to do to, to combat violent crime and, and that epidemic. The public easily spots the lack of focus and the lack of a plan. And ABC News finds that just 60, I'm sorry, 36% of Americans approve of Biden's handling of crime. And according to a Rasmussen poll, 89% of likely voters say crime will only get worse. That's a direct indictment of the president and his strategy on the crisis. So, 2021 grade on crime, another D. COVID-19, the year that was supposed to be a good one for the country and by extension for the president, has ended in awful fashion. <laughs> uh, positive COVID-19 cases are shattering records. Lines for testing extend blocks and even miles in the cold of the holiday season. At this point, there is no good excuse for this president and his administration on testing. They had almost a year to prepare for a winter holiday surge everyone saw coming. Instead, they focused their energy on the multi-trillion dollar Build Back Better bill. And the excuse from Biden and Harris? Well, they claim they didn't see this variant coming so fast. Wow. It's the Taliban of COVID variants with Omicron moving too quickly for this administration to get ahead of it. They were caught flat-footed in, in Afghanistan, which, of course, we would give a grade of F to, for that. When the Taliban took Kabul, be, before this administration even knew what had happened, now they've been caught flat-footed with Omicron. Polling now shows the president down 20 points from his high based on his handling of this virus, a virus he said he would control and stop. He used those words. Those words are his, not, not anyone else's. The old rule from sales 
to politics remains the same. Under promise and over deliver. The president did the opposite of that here. So his 2021 grade on COVID-19, um, he gives him a C. I would even give him a lot less because there's so much misinformation coming out of the White House. There's so much that we did wrong that we should have done differently. All the lockdowns, all the mandates, all the kids out of school. I mean, so much stuff. I think a C is extremely generous here. All right. Border and immigration. More than 2 million migrants entered this country illegally last year. Kamala Harris, who was tasked with addressing the crisis, has been missing in action and almost never speaks about it. Border officials are overwhelmed. Democratic lawmakers in border states are demanding that federal government and particularly the the vice president do more to stem the never-ending tide, but can't even get a response. The result, the administration is consistently pulling in the 20s on immigration and the border. And they are a direct result of so many coming to this country. They were basically invited here by the president. So 2021 grade on the border and immigration, an F. So let's look back month by by month at what caused these this terrible report card. Because it's been a year. So let's just see what we what you kind of play rewind, so to speak, on last year. And an article by the Federalist and Ellie Reynolds said that Joe Biden has been on the in the Oval Office or that weird set in the Eisenhower Building, South Court Auditorium with the green screen windows (laughs) for a year now. And he's already managed to make his short presidency known for a long lineup of scandals, botches, and slip-ups. So January, Biden's radical first week when he first got into office and you know, like the first day he started to do uh, all these executive orders. Well, on his first day in office, President Biden signed a list of radical left-wing executive orders, including an order requiring that schools must ignore the biological differences between male and female students from the athletic field to the bathroom if they wish to continue to receive federal funding. In Biden's first week, Press Secretary Jen Psaki also signaled the administration's plans to reinstate federal funding for abortions around the world with the reversal of the Mexico City policy. And the new president canceled, of course, the Keystone XL pipeline, which, of course, we know just raised the oil prices and made us so that we no longer are uh, are, uh, oil exporters, that we are now oil importers and dependent on others. Biden's first 48 hours in office, he launched the new administration with 17 executive orders. 17. That's more than that that were issued in the first month of of their presidencies of Donald Trump, of Barack Obama, George W. Bush, and Bill Clinton combined. All right, let's move to February. Biden's CDC worked, worked to keep schools closed 
in February, Biden's Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, announced strict reopening guidelines that would keep many schools around the country shut down. Quote, only K-12 schools in cities and, and areas with low or moderate virus transmission can fully reopen for in-person learning as long as physical distancing and mask wearing is enforced. Unquote. And that's, that's Jordan Bird. I'm sorry, Boyd, who reported on February 12th this. He said, quote, any transmission rate beyond what is de- designated as moderate requires hybrid learning or reduced attendance, limiting which children are allowed in the classroom at the same time. On the same day, CDC Director Rochelle Walensky admitted that far-left teacher unions that, that, that they have worked to keep students out of the, of the school buildings and over the course of the COVID pandemic had influenced them to go ahead and, and make these particular guidelines. So these same unions are the ones that are influencing the CDC's uh, closures and closure recommendations. All right, let's go to March. Working with corporations to create vax passports. As the Washington Post first reported, the Biden White House spent the month of March plotting with corporations to develop a vaccine passport system to force Americans to show their COVID papers in order to participate fully in society. Quote, the passports are expected to be free and available through applications for for smartphones, which could display a a scannable code similar to an airline boarding pass. And this is what the Post noted. Going to April, Biden debuts radical social spending plan. At the end of April, Biden announced his American Families Plan. Now, this was a list of far-left spending priorities, many of which would become hallmarks of his struggling build back bank bankrupt uh, agenda the goals of the proposed 1.8 trillion dollar spending spree included extended government schooling schooling uh, fully into preschool and 2 years of taxpayer provided community college so you know we're only 4 months in here and all of these things are just complete failures going to may more unsavory hunter exploits emerge scandal follows president biden's troubled son hunter around as as the country learned when the new york post published damning information recovered from a laptop that younger biden allegedly left at a repair store in late 2020 but further revelations about hunter's exploits emerged in may of last year adding to the pile of unsavory behavior that may uh, implicate the president himself in this case. New emails from Hunter's laptop published on May 26 by the the Post showed that Joe Biden met with Ukraine, Russian, and Kakistani business associates of his sons at a dinner in Washington, D.C. while while he was vice president. And that was in April of 2015. Quote, Dear Hunter, Thank you for inviting me to D.C. and giving an opportunity to meet your father and spend some time together, wrote an executive 
of the Ukrainian energy company Burzma, uh, where that's, that's where Hunter sat on the board. Now, in June, record-setting crisis at the southern border started to really emerge. Biden's crisis at the southern border has been setting records all year, but it was in June that apprehension surged um, uh, past 1 million for fiscal year 2021, and border crossings were at the highest level since 2006. In May alone, 170,000 people were captured, making a 20-year high. Gabe Kraminsky reported at the time um, that June also saw the border state of Texas declare an emergency over Biden's border crisis, which the president helped cause, of course, like what we're talking about, by reversing Trump-era stance on, on the Remain in Mexico policy. As the crisis raged, Biden's border czar, of course, Vice President Kamala Harris, couldn't be bothered to visit the actual U.S.-Mexico line, snapping that, I haven't been to Europe. <laughs> when reporters pressed her on the topic, she finally caved and, and scheduled a trip. But that was, of course, only after former President Donald Trump announced that his plans were to visit the border. And she said, oh, well, well I'm going there, too. <laughs> In July, bragging about working with big tech to silence dissent started to come out. In July, the, the Biden administration bragged about uh, colluding with big tech to shut down perspectives uh, that which, with which the, the regime disagreed with. In a press briefing on July 15th, Saki touted the administration's policy of flagging problematic posts for Facebook that spread disinformation, as she put it. A few days later, Saki admitted there was nothing off the table in the effort to smear dissent as misinformation and, and have it removed from social media. Now, August was coming around, and of course, that was a really bad month for Biden. The, um, the bungling of Afghanistan withdrawal happened, and August saw the, the largest scale disaster on Biden's watch so far. When, when the administration's disorganized withdrawal from Afghanistan left 13 American service members dead, and thousands of American citizens and allies stranded under the Taliban control. From the administration's decision to vacate Bagram Air Base before evacuating Americans from the country to leave weapons and equipment to fall into the hands of the Taliban to Biden taking an, you know, out of touch, hollow victory lap after the service member's death and while Americans remain stranded to the administration's ongoing decision to ignore the allies still behind enemy lines. Even action taken by the the Biden team was a disaster. In the same month, the administration carried out a drone strike targeted at ISIS and and their operatives that actually killed at least 10 civilians. And of those 10, seven of those were children. Americans won't soon forget the howling images of desperate people trampling each other in the chaotic race to Kabul airport, of, of people clinging to aircraft landing gear and falling helplessly from the sky, or of a lone helicopter leaving the roof 
of the American embassy. There is blood on Biden's hands and of our al- and our allies won't soon forget that either. Now, September rolled around and Biden's lies um he he started he, he was he was lying to undermine his own border patrol agents. After a photo of US border patrol agents on horseback was misconstrued by Democrats and of course their media allies to falsely accuse agents of whipping criminals, Biden promised to make his own CBP employees pay. And with the White House banned agents in Del Rio, Texas, from using horses going forward. Quote, it was terrible to see, to see people treated like they did. Horses running them over? People being strapped? It's outrageous, Biden claimed. Even though the photographer who took the viral video, insisted he'd never seen them whip anyone. Well, then October comes around, and uh, and Biden's ed secretary, DOJ, um, and, and, uh, and with NSBA, to smear parents as domestic terrorists. So here's what went down. And again, we've, we've done podcasts on just about every one of these things. You can go back and you can you can see the details. But on September 29th, the National School Boards Association sent a letter to the White House asking Biden to use the FBI and other federal law enforcement uh, to target parents using terrorism laws. Uh, a, a few days later, on October 4th, in response to the letter, Attorney General Merrick Garland directed the FBI and federal attorneys to investigate and address a disturbing spike in harassment, intimidation, and threats of violence against school administrators, board members, teachers, and staff, unquote. As it turns out, however, Biden's own education secretary, Miguel um, Cardona, he, he appears to have secretly requested the letter from NSBA, the National School Board Association, presumably to use as a pretense to the administration's push to target parents unhappy with public school closures, mass mandates, um, you know, the uh, extremist LGBT and critical race theory uh, curricula. In November, that tyrannical, unconstitutional OSHA vax mandate happened. After issuing a September press release threatening to... uh, Threatening a vaccine mandate for private businesses with 100 or more employees, Biden's uh, OSHA released an emergency temporary standard on November 4th that would require businesses to comply by January 4th or incur fines of up to $14,000 per violation. The Supreme Court, of course, again, we, we've done uh, you know the podcast on this, the Supreme Court struck this down in January. Um, and, and the Biden administration knew it was just flatly unconstitutional all along. But exploiting the delays of the judicial system allowed the administration to bully many corporations into compliance anyway. Never mind the fact that the Biden administration had promised during the campaign that it wouldn't mandate the COVID vaccine. 
So December rolls around. Supply chain and inflation nightmares happen. December saw the climax so far of Biden's joint inflation and supply chain crisis, uh, duly caused by the administration's radical spending on Democrats' COVID lockdowns. As Americans face shortages and shipping delays during their Christmas shopping, the Department of Labor released its November figures, revealing 6.8% year-to-year inflation, or the largest 12-month increase since the period ended in June of 1982. December's inflation numbers were even higher, clocking in at 7%. So maybe you got a raise, maybe you didn't, but even if you did, if it wasn't 7% or more, then you really didn't get a raise. So let's throw, let's even throw a bonus one in here. January th- th- this month, okay, January 2022, um, we see uh, on January 11th uh, speech uh, ur- uh, by by uh, by Biden, he was urging the U.S. Senate to ditch filibuster rules in order to pass his radical and unconstitutional federalization of election laws. President uh, Biden compared his agenda's critics which included actually even Democrats like Senator Joe, Bi- uh, Joe Manchin um, of West Virginia and, and Kristen Sinema of Arizona uh, it, to former Alabama Governor George Wallace and Confederate leader Jefferson Davis. Yeah. To, to sum up the terrible year that it has been under the Biden administration, I, I think that that Piers Morgan, of course, no relation to me, said said it best. And he said this, and this is this is a, a, in an article from the Daily Wire. And he said, British television um, uh, presenter Piers Morgan tore into President Joe Biden's presidency on the eve of Biden's first anniversary in the White House. Writing to in an op-ed for the New York Post, the journalist and news anchor took Biden to task for uh, spectacularly failing to live up to the promises he made during his inaugural address in 2020 and warned that Americans disgruntled could result in massive electoral defeat in 2022 and even 2024. Dear Joe Biden, happy anniversary, Morgan began. Can we get a divorce? (laughs) I don't like to sugarcoat things, he says. So let me be blunt. You've been a disaster. (laughs) In fact, Morgan continued, it's hard to think of a more insipid, less inspiring, fiasco-ridden opening 12 months to a presidency. You were going to reunite and bitterly, uh, a bitterly fractured country by ending the anger and the harsh rhetoric, remember? You've failed, Morgan said, pointing to, a, to multiple speeches where Biden scolded Americans on, on the other side of the aisle, like the September address where Biden announced his vaccine mandate for private businesses, in which he told the unvaccinated Americans, quote, our patience is wearing thin. <laughs> the scolding December uh, press conference uh, on the Omicron variant, where he told unvaccinated Americans that they would be responsible for overwhelming hospitals. His scornful a d- divisive speech on the anniversary of January 6th in which Biden hash, um, bashed both former President Donald Trump, his supporters, and congressional Republicans before using the occasion to tout Democratic election reform. And his speeches on election 
reform in Georgia, where he compared the Republicans pushing their own agenda, their own election reforms to Confederate President Jefferson Davis and, of course, segregationist George Wallace. Quote, you were going to defeat COVID. Remember, you've failed, Morgan continued, pointing out that more Americans have died during Biden's tenure than under Trump's, that the Omicron variant is surging across the country, that the Biden administration's plan to extend testing has failed because of testing shortages, and that Biden has still only persuaded 63% of U.S. citizens to be vaccinated. You were going to fix the economy, remember? Again, Morgan told Biden. He failed, citing the 7% spike in annual inflation, the largest increase in nearly four decades, and consumer prices spiking across the country, headlined by fuel and food prices, both of which are expected to continue to rise. Quote, you were going to lean on your many decades as a senator to bring bipartisanship uh, deal making back to D.C. Remember? Morgan asked rhetorically again. You failed. In fact, you can't even persuade two of your own Democratic senators to agree with your, uh, your, your, your key policies, never mind the Republicans. Morgan also blasted the Biden administration's diminishing international standing as a result of the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan in August, which led to the deaths of 13 U.S. service members and hundreds of civilians, as well as long-term consequences for leaving tens of thousands of Afghani allies behind under the new Taliban government. Quote, this ongoing debacle met with a deafening silence by your two-faced woke brigade supporters who would have destroyed Trump if he'd been responsible, has sent the world a message that America can no longer be trusted, Morgan said. No wonder Putin is licking his lips at the chance to invade Ukraine, which I will add, Biden gave him the okay to do so in his speech just two days ago. Mr. President, you keep saying you want to build back better, but America is now in a worse position than it was before you were elected. Ravaged by the virus and and battered economy, rising violent crime, and and a disorganized border issue. Morgan continued, people feel poorer, sicker, and less safe. That's why your approval ratings are tanking so badly, why the Democrats are heading for a congressional wipeout in the November midterms, and why Trump has legitimate reasons to think that he can beat you in 2024 to reclaim the presidency. Morgan affirmed his belief that Biden is not a bad man, and I don't know about that, but but that many Americans are looking to him in tumultuous times and, and are asking, why him? So far, Morgan wrote, Biden has singularly failed to provide a, a convincing answer. Now, you exclude, you, you exuded great hope a year ago, he said, but that's been wrecked by dithering, blathering, and blundering reality. Wake up, Joe, or you're going to sleepwalk into the next election lamer than any lame duck president ever. And the 
disgruntled American people will be voting for a divorce and quite possibly getting back with their ex. (laughs) Now, you may agree with me. You may disagree with me on this. And you may even agree with Morgan, uh, Piers Morgan, who really normally is is a, a liberal himself. And so to see his um, his statements here are quite telling. And and we would definitely love to hear from you on this. If if you can just simply drop us a note at UncommonSensePodcast.com, that'd be great. And thank you for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications. 